this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Our story this morning is known as Jesus' first sign in the wedding of Cana. Gospel of John refers to what we'd probably say miracles as often signs. He calls them signs because for John, each of these events reveals something about who Jesus is. And before I read our story today, I want to actually go to the very beginning in John chapter 1. And the beautiful poetic introduction of John's gospel, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there in John chapter 1, in verse 14 and 16, John mentions the word grace four different times, and then never brings up the word again for the rest of the gospel. But in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. And then in verse 16, it continues, from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I mention these verses here because in this introduction that John uses to begin his gospel, he's laying the groundwork of the stories that are to come that are going to tell us about who Jesus is. We've received grace upon grace, he says. And I think we see that in our story this morning. That is in John chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother said to Jesus, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is it that to you, to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. And when the steward tasted the waters, they had become wine and did not know where it came from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this. The first of his signs and Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now we all know things can go wrong at a wedding. Some surprise happens that we didn't plan on or expect. I have seen flower girls throw fits in the middle of the aisle. I've seen a bunch of bridesmaids fight at the reception to catch the bouquet. I've actually seen the bouquet hit the ground and no one wanted to get it. I had a groom 
once who was swaying so badly with nerves that I had to stop the ceremony while we all just held on to him for a minute before he passed out. Things happen at weddings. At my own wedding, we had heart-shaped piñatas, as, you know, one does for weddings. We didn't have it at the actual ceremony, mind you, but we did have it at the party. We got married in Mexico, and uh, Mark, my Mark, was so excited about bashing a heart-shaped piñata with our names on it that he actually took out some stringed lights that were above us at the party. Now, my brother, who is a pretty good Spanish speaker, having lived in Central America for a few years, he found us a mariachi band to play at our wedding. And he had given them the instructions to play my grandparents' song, which was Besame Mucho, the song they danced at their own wedding. And somehow in the translations of Spanish and whatnot, Somehow the mariachi band got the memo that we only wanted them to play Besame Mucho, Solamente Besame Mucho. So over and over and over and over, and I'm not joking. And the good news is I know the words to Besame Mucho now, but it definitely was not how we planned for things to go. That's how things go with weddings, right? We, we can laugh about it. Frankly, they're the things that make us enjoy them somehow, memorable. The cake falls. Grandma gets a little wild at the chicken dance. These are the things that we talk about. They are what make weddings memorable. But in Jesus' time, what I think we have to keep in mind is that things were very different for them when it comes to weddings in the first century in the Middle East. Weddings in Jesus' day were week-long affairs. They were a merging of families. And frankly, there's not a, love, not a lot of love in the equation. These were two families with an arrangement. Everybody had their official role and duty to play. The groom's family would be in charge of the wedding. And this is something they would have saved for since probably their son was born. To have an occasion like this was not just a wonderful thing to do to celebrate. It was a demonstration of a family's ability to provide. It was showing everyone the future stability of this new family. So when the wine runs out on day three of a week-long wedding, this isn't just something funny that people will talk about one day. This was shameful. This was humiliating. Being, not, being seen as not able to provide for your guests appropriately was considered a disgrace. So Jesus is there at the wedding. His mom comes to him, forms him. They've, want, they've run out of wine. Do something about it. Frankly, I love this part of the story. Can you imagine the humanness of Jesus that is even on display in this moment? That his very first sign in the Gospel of John happens because his mom pushed him to do it. I love that. He tries to say, I'm not ready to do it. I'm not ready. She persists. And what do you know? He takes these six jugs of 20 to 30 gallons of water that were there for the ritual cleansing and being washed up, he takes these huge water jugs and he turns them into wine. We're talking 
like 120 gallons of wine. This is an absurd amount of wine, more wine than anybody's family could ever drink up. Too much wine. He just fills it up with the good stuff, too, not even the cheap stuff. The steward says, what are you doing? Everyone knows the best wine is first put out and save the bad stuff for when anyone doesn't care anymore. Jesus gives them the very best wine there is to offer. He turns this family's public shame into a moment of grace. Remember how John puts it. We've received grace upon grace. From his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. Jesus takes this moment of humiliation and shame and disgrace, a moment this family would have been ostracized from society and put a dark cloud over this new young family, and suddenly it's a moment of grace upon grace. I must admit, I used to not really understand this story. I mean, miracle stories make sense to me, after all. Most of the time, Jesus is meeting a need. There are hungry people, thousands of hungry people, and the miracle of loaves and fish. He meets hungers. He heals someone's pain and suffering. He renews them into being a part of the society again, turning water into wine it might make you everyone's favorite party guest, but that just didn't seem to fit the mold until you see it through the lens of a first century wedding and realize that that moment of shame, Jesus takes it into a moment of revealing God's mercy and grace. People did not come to believe in Jesus because he saved the day with the wine. They came to believe in him because they saw a Savior who takes people's humiliation and shame and disgrace and turns it into a moment of joy. Marcus Borg, a great scholar, says the scripture reveals that in Jesus' day, the principal suffering of the poor and throughout history is shame and disgrace. The sense that is who they are, being poor, is bad or unworthy, or unlovable because of being poor in itself. And here is Jesus showing us again and again that's not how God works. And we will continue to see it as the gospel story unfolds. Sometimes Jesus heals people's physical pain. Sometimes he offers them mercy like the woman who was caught and ready to be stoned to death when he says, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. As he preaches on the banks of the Galilee to people and says, blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are those who hunger, for yours is the kingdom. He brings people in. He notices the nobodies. He welcomed them, the outcasts and the sick and the hurting. He calls uh, an unwell woman a daughter of Abraham, gives her a name of dignity and worth. He takes empty water vessels and turns them into new wine. He takes people's disgrace and turns it into a moment of joy. That is who Jesus is. From his fullness we have received Grace upon grace. This 
is what John wants us to see. And you know, I'm mindful today that maybe along the way, we have all got our stories of shame, something that we carry with regret and a heartache. Maybe it's an experience in your life that happened to you, a decision you made that you regret, and somewhere along the way you have decided that has happened because you are bad. You are unworthy. You are unlovable. Some event that makes you feel like an outsider that you just don't belong because you are carrying this shame. Someone I know for a lot of years has had a really sort of outsider relationship with the church. It's always been important to her. Faith has been important to her. But I've watched her over the years go to a church for a few years and then switch to another church and there's really no big reason behind it. Um, and I noticed she'd go to, ch go to church, but she'd never really get involved, almost sit in the back pew and make a beeline for the door, didn't like to share contact information, never took part in anything. And, and as a minister myself, this just frustrated me. I would say, oh my gosh, let them know you're there. Reach out, share your contact information, go to a class, get involved. And one time we were talking about that, and I still to this day, I can't remember what she said. But as we were talking, a little light bulb went off in my mind, and I realized all of a sudden why she does that. And it's self-protection. I realized she's doing it because she feels like if they really knew her, if they really knew about her life and her story, then in her heart of hearts she believed she would not be welcome there. And so she keeps them at a distance because she herself feels unworthy. And I still hope and pray that one day that's going to change for her, that one day she's going to realize that that painful part of her story, the part she wished never happened, can actually be a place of healing, a place where God's glory really is revealed. Because we follow a Savior who turns our empty water vessels into something new. He takes our shame and our humiliation and our disgrace and does not leave us there. By his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. And I hope for many of us today, as we listen to this story, we can realize the truth of that in our own lives that we have received grace upon grace, God's goodness in our lives that we can't ever begin to earn or deserve. But maybe for some of us also, it's time to recognize that we need to invite Jesus into the places of our own empty vessels to receive the gift of grace that he wants to give us, that we really and truly are worthy. And right here from the very beginning, he's going to show us. He's going to show us the kind of Savior he will be. Not a Savior that's going to level the score. Not a Savior who's going to give you what you do. But the one who comes to us and sets us free. Free from shame. Free from humiliation. Free from regret and disgrace. So what are we waiting for? our old empty vessels, and turns them into new wine until we're the ones saying our cup runneth over. Grace upon grace, 
grace upon grace. Thanks be to God. Amen.